Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Well, hey, uh, I'm excited about this morning. And, um, you know, some of you might wonder, like, what is a Vision Sunday? Why is Vision Sunday? Um, it's okay, Emma. Someone does that every week. Um, it's good to have Bo back on drums. Bo's been traveling, playing music, so it's good to have him back. We got uh, a few people serving, new faces serving this morning, which is awesome. And um, so Erin didn't bust out the uh, tambourine. I thought she was going to use the tambourine back there, but she's helping on words. And Paige is helping service direct. So it's cool to people see people jump in and serve. Uh, but why do we do a Vision Sunday? Well, because I don't know if you've ever tried to get um, a group of like six or seven people to pick a restaurant. That's why we do a Vision Sunday. The reality is, is for us as a church, especially in the season that we're in, moving into this space and moving into this building and not even being fully in yet, almost like just using the living room, um, we wanted to make sure, especially as we move closer and closer to this space and as we were moving through the purchasing process and as we were moving into getting chairs in here and all the other things, it became really, really clear that, that we needed to make sure that for everyone who's either new or who has been around for a minute, that it was clear what we were doing and why we were doing it. And, and so we wanted to make sure that, because where, where does God command the blessing? Where people dwell in unity. And the, the, the journey of following Jesus is not one done alone. And we want to make sure as the body of Christ that just like this church has a specific calling and purpose for it, even though it's, there's some overlap for sure, there are other churches around us who are doing the thing God's called them to do. And if we can all own that and support one another, then we can see something really special happen in our city, in our streets, in our neighborhoods, and in the places that we go and the people we meet. And so the, the desire and the hope is not just that today we're actually calling this a vision series. And my goal, I think, will be that we'll do this every year. It may not be as long as this one because it is the initial one and we're kind of diving into a few big topics um, but every year we'll have a, a season where we just talk about what is the vision of our church or refreshing and renewing the vision of our church so that everybody hears it, gets it. But beyond that, what are the immediate steps that we'll be taking? What I'm sharing today and over the next six, seven weeks is, is really what we're doing over the next three to five years. When it comes to this building, how you'll use this building, what we want to see, and kind of earmarking it along the way and seeing what um, God is doing and celebrating those things. So the reason... It's because I want to make sure, we wanted to make sure that as we move into this next season, that we are all push, pushing and pulling and moving in the same direction. We believe God will multiply that. Um, we believe God will do more with that. And, uh, and, and we said this last week, the hope and the desire is that as we come together and as we, as we get united around a common vision and mission, um, that God can do something in us that is beyond our own imagination and our own wildest dreams. Uh, because when you put a few people together, pull in the same direction, it multiplies and magnifies uh, the direction you're going So, and the effectiveness and fruitfulness of it. So here's what I do. I want to share with you a little bit of a vision uh, film video and share a little bit about what we're thinking of this space. And it's just, um, it's just a few minutes of a, of, of a big, much bigger conversation. We'll, so we'll probably be sharing pieces of it as we go over the next several weeks. And then I just want to share with you some things. I'm not just going to be giving you a bullet list of things we're doing. I want to make sure that the vision and mission of our, our church is clear and strong and then tell you what that requires of us or that, what that causes us to do with it. Does that make sense? So I'm really excited about today. I think it's going to be great. Um, so why don't you just take a second. We're going to watch this, and we may kick the, yeah, kill the lights, and we'll be good. 
What's going on? How you doing? Just it. You got a coffee on your pants. You did. You knew you did what? You kind of look rough at seven fifteen this morning when I woke up. Me 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 me. Mm -mm, you'll get lip gloss on. Oh. Can you see my feet? I, I'm worried about your socks situation. I think every dream and calling matures, and it develops. And I think that's why some of us get so frustrated and discouraged is because we think the calling is meant to be beautifully packaged the moment it arrives at our door. Mm -hmm. and, and instead it's a box with all the pieces and some screws. And there's a, there's a part of this where like, as you're putting it together over the course of your life and over time, where it's starting to really begin to take shape. I was a youth pastor and I remember like 18 year old kids walking in, 17 year old kids going, man, I wanna get into ministry. And at the time, this is 20 years ago, at the time, what that meant to them and what it could only mean to them and this is the part i struggled with was that it meant they had to preach and i just remember thinking like yeah you could preach if, you, if that's what you feel like that's where really where the lord is calling you but maybe you're going to be like the most amazing producer or most amazing business person that's ever lived or that whatever that's come out of your family or you're going to be an incredible parent or whatever it is and so that's when the idea of going hey i want the church to be a place where people are discovering their calling. And that doesn't mean that the end result is that they're a really good usher on Sunday or that they're, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. great. It might mean that that helps them form some things, whatever, but there's a Monday through Saturday that the church is meant to exist in. 10 years ago, um, we had just re like re really recently taken over the church or we're about to take over the church. We were still in the mid cities area. And I remember walking into this place in Southern Cal, of course, um, mm -hmm. it's where all the inspiration lives. And it was like this mall, but it was like this boutique yeah. mall. So like it was all these smaller two, three, 400 square foot spaces that the walls could move. And you could tell everyone in there was not like an established person. It was like, it was not a brand that you mm -hmm. knew. It was all these people like trying to get started. And then they had this really cool, great coffee shop and, and an open seating area and that one and they had a theater. And I just remember walking in. That's cool. And I don't know why, but I remember thinking, this is what a church should look like. People taking a shot, giving it a go in a community yep. and where Jesus is central. When we tell people from a, on a, from a pulpit to, hey, go and use the resources and the gifts you have to reach your city and your neighborhood. And then we've got 15,000 square feet of space and it's never touched during the week. Mm. That feels a little disingenuous. We don't see Jesus by always having to put like a verse on the wall. Right. We see Jesus because we have fixed our eyes upon him. Mm -hmm. We've been shaped in a community and we're living out our calling. And in that, yep. people are seeing something they hadn't seen before. Uh, I think that this can really be like a, it must sound like so cheesy when I say this, uh, kind of like a Batman beacon. Hey, like C3 Fort Worth, like we're just casting the light over the city. We've made so many friends with so many groups that are just from different walks of life and they all come together, different political views and everything else, but it works here. Like it's, you come here, you see Jesus, you see God, you all these people and all that they do. We finally have a place for like everyone's individual dreams to be served in a way. We're able to use this building to serve the community more than just on a Sunday. They might never come here, maybe they live states away, but hopefully that we can, you know, be a light and show them Jesus like we've been shown here. Yeah, we're in a new neighborhood, a new area with new types of people. Um, different walks of life and I want them to see this place as a refuge for them because it's been for us but we've been 
so many different places that I'm, I'm so glad we're able to like stick to this neighborhood um, and be an inspiration to this neighborhood. Um, I also would love to see just the change in diversity, you know, like different, like I said, different walks of life, different colors of people, different ages of people. Like I want to see that explode in this place. And I think that this is where it's going to happen. I get emotional about it. I have dreams in my heart that have long been there, but I didn't know what they were. And being here with a group of people that also, that seeks the best and sees the best of others, um, I think has just really, it's really taken me in a different path. I mean, I've been around the sun a few times, okay, Jesse? <laughs> and I've been a Christian for a very long time, and so I've learned a lot, but this is a different part of me, a different part of my journey, and I'm, and I'm excited, and even I'm going to go into a new phase of life, and I think David and I found C3 just in time. I mean, I could probably ask people in church, raise your hand if you feel like you found C3 just in the nick of time, and um, I bet I wouldn't be alone in that. In some ways, I do feel like this space is a place for people to come in and maybe just get a little oomph, yeah. to get a little bit of encouragement to say, you know what, I don't, I, I don't have to give up. You know, yeah. I can, there are people, you know, that want the best for me in this, in yeah. this city. And there, there is a space where I can not spend a fortune, but stir up the giftings that I want to do and, and whatever it is. I don't think you can um, do something like plant a church without the people involved and, and God's voice involved. Mm -hmm. And I think though it's been a long journey, we've had an incredible um, community that surrounded us. We want this place to be a place where people are taking a chance on something they feel like is in their heart. And so we want a gallery because we want artists who've never had an opportunity to show their work totally. to have a wall for it and to have some people celebrate it and to discover something about, oh, well, that part was good and that part wasn't or that, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, we want people to be able to come in and record a podcast because they really have a heart for it, but they can't afford the the, all the stuff that comes yes. with it, but we've got a space. Mm -hmm. We want people to come in and co-work together because we want them to hear the stories of each other. We, yes. we want to do master classes or, or courses or whatever you want to call them on, on how to be a, a, start a nonprofit or how to own a production company or how to be a great dad or a great mom. Or, you know, we, that's, we want to be able to tell the stories of people who have come through this space, whether it be on a Sunday morning or a Monday afternoon or a Saturday morning or a Tuesday night and have had incredible conversation or have been equipped in something they've just been curious about for a long time or had a chance to like put their calling to work and put their giftings to the like just put it out there i just can't wait to hear the stories of those people and going well, how did that happen for you well this church made room for me yeah. this church created a space yeah. where i could take a chance and that's what this is. I mean, this space for us is a space where people are going to, yes, gather for church, an amazing church on Sundays. Yeah, really? Absolutely going to happen. Yeah. We're already doing that. Yeah. But I think it, what it really is going to be is a place where the calling and the purpose of people is built and discovered and equipped. Um, yes, and we get to do it together. And we get to do it together. That's awesome. Yeah, no, awesome. Listen, for us... Um, that's what this space is, 
right? This space is a place where people are finding and discovering who they're called to be, um, who they're called to become, what God is doing in them. And that's why this today and the next several weeks is so important. And I'm just right out from the front end. I just want to ask you to make these Sunday mornings a critical piece of your week. Not to make them an afterthought, to think about it Saturday night and wonder, is this, is this weekend we're going to church? But to say, I'm going every week for the next six, seven weeks because I really want to make sure that I'm hearing, that I'm participating, and that at the end of this, I can partner with this church in ways that many of you guys already are. And the reason this felt so important to us was that we would give you a vision, and give you something that you could carry week in and week out into your Mondays and your Tuesdays and your Wednesdays. Because here's what I want to do. I want to just take a second, and I want to base this in something that is far greater than just having a building, but also results in us utilizing and using a building. It becomes something where the vision is bigger than the space we're in, but utilizes their space we're in to do what we are envisioning. And that's the hope as we come through this um, space. If I were to ask the question, why are we here? Why are we here? You know, that's a question that has a lot of weight to it. There's a lot of thought that goes behind that question. There's a lot of things that you worry about or wonder about as you think about that question. Um, it's a question that think people com coming out of COVID have thought about more than before. We're now at around 60% of people um, are thinking at least once a month, why am I here? Why am I on this rock? What is going on? Why am I breathing? Why do I have vision? Why do I have Thoughts, what, what is the reason I'm here? 60% of people at least once a month, and you know that it's more than once a month. If you think about it once, it's hard to just kind of go, okay, I'll leave that on Wednesday. That question seems to pervade our lives. It seems to be something that is around our life on a regular basis. And, and it's, what's really can be frustrating about that question is, is more so how we answer it, or maybe the lack of an answer for it. For us, we wanted to make sure that we came into this space and we came into this day and we came into this series with an understanding of why we are here. And it's not a bad question. It's a good question. It's okay that you ask the question. It's fine. It's actually a healthy question. Why am I here? Why am I here right now with a microphone in my hand with some notes on my phone? Why am I here? Why am, why am I here listening to some dude with a microphone and notes in his hand? Why am, I, why am I part of a church called C3? Why am I here living out this day? Why am I here? It's a good question. Yeah, you can bring that up. I know there's not going to be a good time. You're going to interrupt me. Any, either way you do it. Appreciate you, man. I needed a podium for this small phone. Listen. I feel so free. Why are we here? Now, here's what's interesting about that question, though. For many of us, when we ask that question, why are we here, we immediately turn it into, why am I here? We often take the we and turn it into me. When we ask, but why are we here, we all go, oh, man, and we centralize ourselves within the question. And that is not necessarily a bad thing. There's a, a healthy question there. Paul speaks to the individual gifting and nature of who you are and how important it is to the we. But he always filters it first with what? The we. There's, there's, there's something about us that when we hear those questions, we immediately think of, well, why am I here? And that can be a really tough question if we haven't first asked the question, why are we here? 
And so I kind of want to ask that question again. And I want you to think of it as a we, not as a me. I want you to think of it as a, as a we. Why are we here? Why are we here on a Sunday morning? Why are we here on a Monday afternoon? Why are we here on Wednesday night dinner party? Why are we here walking and going to our cubicles and going to our workplaces? And do, Why are we, the body of Christ, the people of God, why are we here? I find if I ask that question first, it's a much easier thing to begin to discuss what is it that I'm here to do. Because I can get started with the we part and discover the me part as I go. Sometimes when we're so focused on the me part, we end up looking at one puzzle piece and forgetting that there's a whole puzzle. And it can be a really hard thing. I don't know if you all ever know, that first puzzle piece is difficult. Right? But Jesus is our cornerstone, so he's the first. But as we look around the puzzles, we get other pieces and start, then all of a sudden my shape becomes more purposeful. It becomes more clear. When I can take my puzzle piece and put it against other puzzle pieces, then all of a sudden, now we're starting to create something. And now the purpose of my part in life, why I have a thing pointing this way and a thing pointing, why I have those things, why that matters. But before I get too far into the why are we here, and I'll answer that in just a moment, I want to review why we've been saying we are here. And this is not going to change. For me, there's two words, and they're, listen, they're kind of businessy words, but they're words that ultimately they really do help when you clarify them, and you've heard them over and over again. Your business has them. Uh, you, the, the nonprofits you support have them. The, the companies you buy from have them. Whether or not they tell you they have them, whether or not they advertise them, whether or not they say them all the time. Um, as Will asked me as we were going through this process of clarifying this, he goes, do you know Nike's mission and vision? Do you know Apple's vision and mission? Turns out they changed theirs because I did know it, and then he said it was wrong. And um, <laughs> but we, but the, these aren't always put out in front, but I wanted to put this out in front of you as a community so that we understood what they are. But this vision and mission, what is it? Our vision, our preferred future, as Pastor Phil says in our leadership course, the preferred future, the dream we have of what tomorrow looks like has always been that our city would see Jesus like never before. Has always been that the streets and hearts of this city would see Jesus in ways they haven't. That like the old saying goes, we would wash the face of Jesus. Because we all come with presupposed ideas. We all come with experiences from our past. We all come with different things along the way. And somewhere along the way, we stop seeing Jesus and just start seeing our experiences. Start seeing our difficulties. Start seeing our doubts and our questions. And all those things, we lose sight of Jesus. If we could just fix our eyes upon Jesus, then we can begin to sort some of those things out. So we want our city to get a fresh perspective of who Jesus is, the, st the city that you live in, the, the neighborhoods you walk through, the, the streets you drive down, the places you work. I asked a few people, what does it mean to see Jesus like never before? I got a few answers. They all seem to kind of strike the same chord. It says this, as a believer, I think it means to see Jesus in a new light, refreshed view or a completely new way. Another person said, experiencing him or seeing him at a greater measure than I have before. Another person says, to reform any notions or beliefs I had of who he was, a harsh judge, a distant father, a disapproving, uninvolved, to who he truly is. Another person said, for me, it is seeing him in a more day-to-day, -day, walking through life with us, individually, on the small things type of way, seeing Jesus, boots on the ground, with you day to day in the trenches of life, not just this big and powerful son of God who is overseeing up above, 
but taking every step with us. See, the, I love this phrase, see Jesus like never before, because it means it doesn't matter if you've been here or haven't. It doesn't matter if you've been at the table of Jesus or you haven't. It doesn't matter if the, the gospel's called you a sinner or a saint. Regardless of what you are and what station you are in and what place you've been and all the difficulties you've walked through and all the different churches you've been at or the churches you haven't been at, no matter who you are, we can all see Jesus like never before. Because the reality is, is that to know God is to know him over and over and over and over again. To know God is to not know him and then be done. To know him and to realize you have more to know of him. In any good relationship, in a marriage, if you stop your five and go, well, we know each other well, then I'm going to tell you something. You're going to stop knowing each other. Because we learn each other over time. And knowing God is not a one day, one week, one year kind of endeavor. To know God is to be with God and to always be with God and to never stop being with God because you will always have more to know of God. And so it is important for us to be people who see Jesus like never before. Every week I believe you can come in here and you can see Jesus in a fresh way. That doesn't mean every week it's got to be a new way. I do not want you to change who Jesus is. One week he's a savior and one week he's not. One week he's divine, one week he's not. That is not the journey I'm telling you to be on. It is a journey of ever-increasing, always expanding view of who he is. Of the, of the times when he goes to the pool of Bethesda where no one else would go and heals people no one else would touch. Of the times he would, you would find him at a table with the disciples and the tax collectors. And people would go, what are you doing? And he'd go, I'm in bringing my kingdom into the earth. When people would shut down the man who was blind, yelling for the Son of God to see him, and he would say, no, I've got, to, I've got to keep shouting so he could see me. And Jesus turns to him and says, I see you. Or like out of Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus of Luke chapter 19. I, I read this the other day, and it just became, I don't know that it will become official, official, but um, I just, I like phrases and things that make the picture more clear. Luke 19 says this, he wanted to see, this being Zacchaeus, who Jesus was. I think there's a lot of people like that. They may not come to church to find out, but I think there's a lot of people who want to see Jesus. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. You're all singing the song in your heads. So he came down at once and welcomed him. Gladly. We want to be a sycamore tree. We want this building to be a place where people can find a view of Jesus they had not found before. I don't think it was just because Zacchaeus was short. I think it's because he knew he wasn't on the inner circle. He was a tax collector. He was a guy people didn't like. He was not going to push his way to the front. He was not one of those people obsessed with Jesus. He just wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. What threw him was the fact that when he finally saw Jesus, he found out and discovered that Jesus was looking back at him. And what I desire and our hope and our desire and Pastor Mary's desire is that we would create a space where people can climb a sycamore tree, get a view of Jesus, and find out that he has a view of them. That he has a vision for their life. That he has a place he wants to take them. That he has a desire to sit at their table. That he has a desire for them to know and to see and to walk and to follow him along this path that is greater more full and thriving and healthy and life-giving. And it's an interesting journey for us all, isn't it? I mean, that video you just saw of Meredith and I, and we're, i got to edit it because, well, I won't, but um, Pastor Meredith says, 
we, we, we sat for 45 minutes talking about the journey to this place, the pictures that she got, the way this building was confirmed in our heart and mind, which is beyond, it's just, it's one of those that I even call a little bit weird. And I want you to hear it, so we're going to put it out because I think you need to hear the whole thing. We just needed to make sure we had time for other things in the service. But this journey of walking this thing out and seeing it and, be, and sitting in it now and standing in it now is, is, is beyond my belief. But I believe this so deeply that we will be like the men who carried a mat who put someone in front of Jesus. We will be like a sycamore tree where people are able to climb and look upon Jesus in a place and from a place that they never expected to see him. They did not expect to walk into an art gallery and all of a sudden get a glimpse of Jesus. Because we are, like Henry Nouwen calls us, living reminders of Jesus. That is what we are to be to our city, to our neighborhood, to our workplace, to the spheres that God has called us and the places God is bringing us. We are to be living reminders of who Jesus is. So why are we here? If our end result, if our goal, if our desires that our city would see Jesus like never before, then, then what are we doing? Why do we exist? What is the thing that makes that happen? And I want to point to uh, a scripture that many of you maybe have heard, and, and, and the truth is that this has used, been used a thousand different ways. We're going to use it as a framework for how we move forward together because we've always had that vision statement. We felt like it needed to be clear what we do with that vision statement. What do we do to accomplish that preferred future? Because I don't know about you, but I deeply, deeply desire that we, there are fresh ways and new ways that this city and our neighborhoods and the places we go and the people we meet would see Jesus for who he really is. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is up. Just been in the desert, tempted, and he has just heard of his cousin John the Baptist having been beheaded, and Jesus is going, okay, it's time. This is the moment. It's time to start the ministry. It's start, start this thing going. And Matthew 4, similar kind of trajectory in terms of where this moment happens. So Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, and the ESV says this. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So as you should, if you are a fisherman, you should fish. There's a hint. If you are... A fisherman, you should fish. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you should be like Jesus. And Jesus said to them, and Jesus said to, everybody say them. Oh, it's really important. I know you feel like it's a throwaway word, but it's bolded in mine. It's an important word. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me. Everybody say follow. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is what it is to be a believer, to be a church. It is to do what Jesus is doing here, which is to call us, invite us into discipleship, which is completely contrary to the way that it was normally done. Normally a rabbi would be excluded from people, and people would come to him and ask, can I be one of your disciples? And Jesus would then say, or a rabbi, sorry, a rabbi would then say, 
ah, you didn't pass this course, you didn't make it there, you didn't memorize all of this, you didn't figure all this thing out, so no, you can't, you have not arrived yet. And Jesus finds men who had been kind of the leftovers off to the side, who had not done all the things they had to do, and he comes and invites them into a relationship. He flips the whole system on its head and says, I'm going to make this not exclusional, but I'm going to make it invitational. I'm going to make it a place where I invite all people into a life that looks different, sounds different, feels different, and makes a difference. So he calls them into discipleship, which is not necessarily a thing we do. It is a thing we are. It is not necessarily a thing that most of us, when we hear discipleship, we go, okay, seven Bible studies. If we read this book, if we finish out this thing. No, discipleship is something we are and become and are made into. It is a descriptor of us. It is not an instruction to us. It is a descriptor. It's an invitation. It is something that Jesus is going, this isn't working. I'm inviting you into something that will. How do we define discipleship? James K. Smith says this, Jesus commands to follow him. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his. To want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all. A vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. In the early Jewish writings, the description of a follower of a rabbi was that he was to cover himself in the dust of the rabbi's feet. In other words, he was to follow so closely that behind the rabbi that he would walk in the dust stirred up by the rabbi's sandals. The picture was of the disciple walking so closely that he might be able to watch and imitate his every word and action. The invitation to become a disciple, yes, I'm reading to you. To become a learner, a follower, Jesus offers these men the opportunity to observe him at close hand on a daily basis. By doing so, they will learn more than his thinking. They will become familiar with his moves. They will unconsciously copy his manner of speaking his gestures, his dealings with people. They will see how he solves problems, encounters oppositions. Slowly but surely, they will become like Jesus in thought, word, and deed that speaks powerfully about discipleship. It is not enough to learn facts about Jesus. We must spend time with him. Discipleship is less an affair of the head than of the heart. So I want to break this down, and I've got to do this quickly because we've got some things to talk about. I want to break this down into three kind of phrases and I want to, we'll, ultimately, we'll tie this in a bow and explain it to you as our mission and vision as a church. Again, our vision not changing, but how do we get to that vision is what we're trying to establish today. And then I'm going to give you some practical ways we're going to do that. We've had this phrase in our heads for a long time, and I just always felt like it was too perfect. And it was too, every, every word started with C, and it felt like, oh, it's C3. No, but it's not. And then it just became too cute, and I didn't like that. And I'm, I'm one of those guys who doesn't like cute and doesn't like that. So I, I pushed back on it for a long time, and, and, um, and we just kind of came over the last several weeks just really processing some of this, working it through, talking to people about it, uh, came to this place where we felt like this makes sense. And for me, what does it mean to say I want to be a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? Because how many of you guys know there's a lot of different defining things that have said about making disciples? If I tell you, hey, let's go make disciples, some of you go, that means, okay, we've got to do 24-hour prayer. For some of you, that means I've got to read 12 books the next week. For some of you, it means that I've got to have seven mentors, and I've got to have 12 moleskins, and I've got to sit under the shade of a tree, right? And that's what I've got to do. I've got to be this person who secludes himself and never is around people because I've got to really focus on God. And we can get really mixed up ideas. And in some cases, we've got one or a few of the things right, but then we 
mess up the others, and it just becomes this weird thing that just gets a little bit out of balance. And I want to give you three things that we, and I'm not saying this is the perfect definition. I'm not trying to tell you that this is how it should all go. I'm just telling you this is the way we are going to explain this and share this and talk about this. And for me, it gives us a pathway, even though discipleship is rarely ever linear. Okay? It is always cyclical. You will always come back to how am I working with people. It will always come back to how am I seeing Jesus, and it will always come back to am I living out or fulfilling the calling God's placed on my life. That will always be something that comes back. Do not be frustrated when those things show back up because it's probably a sign that those things need to be more present in your life. So it's always cyclical. You never just get past it. That should give some of you grace. So I'm going to break it down in three ways. We want to do it like this. Um, we exist as a church to make disciples who fix their eyes on Jesus, okay, who are formed in community, and who live out their calling. See the, the three C's, okay? Christ, community, and calling. If we, can, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, if we can be formed within relationship and within community, and if we can fulfill and live out the calling God has placed upon our life, then I absolutely believe we will see Jesus like never before in this city. I know we always come up with a thousand different ways and ideas, but the reality is that the early church was about people who loved Jesus becoming like Jesus, and then all of a sudden everybody else wanted to know Jesus. That's how it works. If you look at Scripture, you look at the book of Acts, what do you find? Yes, you find the proclamation of the gospel, but more often than not what you find is people going from home to home, place to place with each other, and people were added to the church daily. Daily. Okay, so let me, I'm going to expand on these over the next several weeks and talk more deeply into them. But let me just give you a framework for this because when I, when I think about how it looks to come and sit with somebody and talk with somebody or be at a dinner party or have a relationship with someone, I can talk about these three things every single time. If I make these priority in my life, if I ask you about, hey, how are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? No, you don't have to say it exactly that way, but how are you looking upon Jesus? How are you putting your eyes on Jesus like the disciples, getting so close that you could observe the way he did what he did so that you could become like him? How can we do that? How can you be formed in community? How are your relationships? How are the things going on around you? How are you treating people? How are, how are you serving one another? How are you being patient with one another? Thank God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, are you fulfilled? Are you living out the calling God's put on us, but also upon you? To fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, the easiest verse, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is our pattern. He is the one we look at. He is the one that shows us what it is to live a thriving life. He did not just show up to, to die on a cross, but he also showed us how to live. He showed us what it is to wash one another's feet. He showed us what it is to serve the brokenhearted, to serve those who are hurt. He, he, he showed us what it is to live life in community. It show, he showed us the importance of the table. He came to seek and save the lost, and he did it by eating and drinking with others. He showed us what it looks like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and do things that no one can explain. He showed us what it is to live a spirit-led life. To fix our eyes on Jesus, to begin to go back to 2019 before the whole world stopped and look at and think about the patterns of Jesus. To withdraw and return to temple and table to do some of these things that create in us a room where we can fully and totally hear and know who he is. Because patterns... Patterns don't fill the room. 
They create the space. They create the, the place where you can be with God and see him more clearly. Second one is to be formed in community. We love community until it encroaches on our individuality. We love community until it forms us rather than serves us. We love community until it forms us rather than just serves us. There's a, there's a line here. Your formation should be freedom, hope, dream, life, joy, gladness, generosity. There's a, there's a formation that happens here as we step into it. They crossed, the disciples crossed every socioeconomic, ideological, and political line that existed. You didn't just have one group of people that Jesus was calling. He was calling people from all different walks of life, and they were all gathering and walking with him. And we love the solo spiritual journey because it doesn't, have, it doesn't deal with the people we didn't choose to be here with. You guys didn't handpick the group in the room. I coach nine-year-olds. I didn't pick all of them. And I still got to coach all of them. And I still got to play them at every position. And God's grace is sufficient. As one writer says, we are surrounded. We are in a culture that is surrounded, but not with. We have all kinds of people around us all the time, but we're rarely with those people. You might be up here for a minute. The biblical view of, the biblical view of heaven on earth and human flourishing happened in community. Jesus' community was not an idea, utopian community. They were a community that could shape one another. The last one is this, fulfilled in calling. I want to be people who are fulfilled in their calling. In the midst of uh, such a discouraging season, fewer Americans, this is from the LifeWay research, fewer Americans are convinced there is something more to this life than their daily activities. A large majority still lean toward there being an ultimate purpose for a person's life, but instead of escaping the pandemic with thoughts of something greater, far fewer strongly hold such a view. A growing number of Americans have become open to the idea that this might be as good as it gets. Oh, but the church. Oh, but the church that prays, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, should never, ever, ever, ever fall into that place where we think this is it. Oz Guinness, in his book, The Call, which I think is a phenomenal book and underread, says this about calling. And again, I'm going to expand on these over the next several weeks. So we're going to talk about what it is to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to talk about what it is to be shaped in community. We're going to talk about what it is to live with calling. But he says this, the calling resists privatization by insisting on the totality of faith. Calling resists politicization by demanding a tension with every human allegiance and association. Calling resists polarization by requiring an attitude toward and an action in society that is inevitably transforming because it is constantly engaged. Grand Christian movements will rise and fall. Grand campaigns will be mounted and grand coalitions assembled. But altogether, such coordinated efforts will never match the influence of untold numbers of followers of Christ living out their callings faithfully across the vastness and complexity of modern society. So how do we see Jesus in full work? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. By being a community that is being shaped and formed, even in the community we don't always choose and pick for ourselves, but being committed to be a place where we learn patience and grow in faith and become loved and love well and serve one another, not just hang with one another, 
Community is not, is not a synonym for friendship. Community is where people come together and decide what is common and build unity into that place. So yes, we hang and we have fun and we laugh and we enjoy, but we also serve and we sacrifice and we lay down and we get generous with one another. Matthew 5, 13, Jesus says this, and the message translation says it best. And I've got to get to some of these initiatives, but I... Matthew 5 says this, let me tell you why you are here. I guess I could have just read this at the beginning. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings, not, brings out the God flavors of this earth. You are here, I'm not going to read all of it, but you are here to be the one who brings out all the flavors, all the beauty, all the power, all the majesty of this amazing creation that God has formed and shaped with his words. We are meant to be people who cultivate the very thing God has created. We are meant to partner with God in seeing heaven come to earth. And the way the church grew in the early days was by the patient, long-suffering, sacrificial, distinctive community that they built that was full of joy and generosity and graciousness and hospitality. And people saw it as something different because at the table were all kinds of people who didn't belong at the table together. And why did they do that? Because of Jesus. Because Jesus. I want to pray over this, and then I want to put some practical legs to this. And here's what I want to ask you to do, and I'm going to share this with you in a minute, so maybe I'll just pray. But before I go into these initiatives, I want to just, and I'm going to go them quickly, but I want to pray into this mission and vision. I want us to understand that this is what we are here for, that this city would see Jesus like never before as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we are shaped and formed in community as we live out the calling that God has placed upon us. If we do that, become disciples, really, truly live out what God has placed in us, every street and every heart will see Jesus in a way they have never seen him before. Because God's given you a calling that's different than my calling, but it all connects to the calling of the church. To be a light, to be salt, and to bring out the best of what God has created. Because like I said in the video, God has given us a box of screws and pieces. And as we put it together with him by our side, we get a greater view of what it all is all meant to be. Lord, I thank you right now for what you're doing in us and how you want to do these things in us. And I pray as we begin this journey over the next several weeks to plant our feet in a mission and vision to come united and come together under something like this. Lord, I pray that you would, in every one of us, solidify, clarify, and finalize what you're doing. So I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing in us today. And I pray as we go on this journey that there would be a great sense of unity around it. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we didn't want to do is just give you a really cool vision and a really cool mission and go, all right, see you later. I want to give you a five-year plan. And I know, I, listen, I know that in five years it probably ain't going to look exactly the way we thought it would. That's just, that's just life. How many of you guys have done five-year plans? How many of you are in year five and you're like, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's exactly how I planned it. But our goal, but it is okay to have a vision. 
it is okay to go, how do we see God working this out in us, and what has God been building in us? So I just want to go through these, and I uh, took my phone, so we're just going to go through the slides. So if you just slide through it, I'll lead it as we go. I want to just give you some clarity around this, and this is the mission and vision written out for you. We exist to make disciples whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, are formed within community, and live out our calling until our city sees Jesus like never before. The shorthand I love, which we'll just use around it, and again, I... Will's probably staring at the back of my head like we didn't talk about that one. But we are following Jesus together in Fort Worth. We are people walking with Jesus together. And, and we're going to say this a lot of different ways, but we will always come back to this when we make decisions about our resources, when we make decisions about what we're launching, when we just make decisions about events that we do, when we make decisions about what we do in church on a Sunday morning, we will come back to these places. How does what we do here fix our eyes upon Jesus? How are we being shaped as we take communion together? Right? These are all these questions that we want to walk through. Go ahead and go to the next one since I covered that. The, the first initiative and goal is that we would create city partnerships. We've always had a desire that we would not come in and be the solution, but that we would come in and be a support to those who have come up with the creative and unique solutions to problems our neighborhoods and city are facing. How many of you know there's more than just us? How many of you know there's more non nonprofits out there doing great work? And we don't need to come in and go, oh, yeah, we got it. We figured it out. We're going to do 17 outreaches this year, and you should just all come. No, 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 no. There are people who poured blood, sweat, and tears into the places that we're going, the places we're driving through, and the places we're visiting, and we are supporting them. It doesn't mean we won't do outreach events. It doesn't mean all that, but we are going to build relationship. Um, in fact, we had someone in this week. We had lunch for two hours. Mary was like, you got to work on that whole how long you do meetings. And I get it. I understand. It's a problem. Uh, but it was such a good combo, and they walked away going, yeah, we're in. Like, let's do this. And it's a, a ministry, well, we're going to lay it out. But I have somebody here who's really important to us who has just become a friend over the last several weeks and months as we've begun this journey. And uh, so I want to invite Stacy real quickly. And I know I only gave you like 90 seconds. And we, and we are pushing time. So you got to, you know. But she runs uh, Fortress. How many of you guys went on the prayer walk? Some of you guys did the prayer walk, drive with us. Um, some of you guys went and toured the building with us. I've been in there a couple times. And I just want her to share because we are going to become a partner with them in our the finances you give, some of that will go towards them. But more than that, when they do things like trunk or treat, which is coming up, they can sign up for immediately. Um, she's going to be able to, uh, you can serve there. So we're going to have a list of city partners that we're, you can serve at. Just real quickly, just give them a brief overview of kind of what you guys do. Man. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Our meeting lasted two hours, and it was as much my fault as yours. So, I mean, this is a, John was like, man, i got to get back to work. Come on. Um. We are Fortress. We're located on Terrell Avenue, just literally three or four blocks from here. Um, we've been around for about 25 years, but in that location, um, almost two. And it has completely changed the work that we're able to do, um, being more central in the neighborhood, um, more visible, and just more efficient, wonderful space that we get to work out of. Our mission is building bridges from poverty to promise. And so what we do, everything we do, um, from the preschool kids to the grannies who are raising some of those babies, um, and everything in between is to help families who are working so hard to stabilize their lives achieve those dreams and achieve that promise. Some of them are there because of generational, um, it's just a generational thing and you do what you know. Some of them are there because of systemic inequities and the history of, of how things have gone down in our nation. Some of them are there because they've made poor choices along the way and this is where they landed. 
it doesn't matter why they're there. They're there for us to love them and for us to support them. Um, we do that. Have I missed my 90 seconds already? It's too, too bad. Um, we do it through preschool. Uh, we start with six-week-olds, um, half-day. Parents who are working or in school qualify for full daycare. Um, so that it supports that concrete need they need to be able to work. That's the thing that keeps people in poverty the most is lack of childcare. Uh, we do after school programming for kids who attend Van Zant Gwen, which is, where are we? Right there. <laughs> right, you can see it from your front doors. Um, primary focus there is third grade literacy. If you're familiar with Fort Worth ISD and our literacy problems, you know that's a big problem. It's 30% in Fort Worth. 18% at Van Zant Gwen, third graders who read on level. So that's a big focus for us because that leads to so many different tra trajectories, good and bad, depending on where you are at third grade. We have a fourth and fifth grade leadership development program where we're teaching kids, uh, helping them discover their strengths, showing them the things that they're good at, the things they might be interested in. Because in sixth grade, you get to choose your school if you want to in Fort Worth ISD that has a track that you're interested in. Most of our kids don't know they have that option, so they just get shipped to the school they're zoned for. And so just opening that world, we do that through mentors and through an awesome teacher we have in that classroom. Uh, again, to lead them to promise, um, and that can mean so many different things. And then we do the same things through summer. And then finally, we don't charge for any of these programs. We work exclusively with this neighborhood um, it's changing a little bit, but historically, if you've lived in this neighborhood, then this is a need that your family has. Um, but we do require that parents engage in our programs through our parent engagement program. It's called LEAD, and it's cute, so you might want to plug your ears. I like cute. In fact, the first thing, the day I met you two, and I learned about C3 Church, I went to your website because I wanted to know what the C3 meant because I was sure it was something cute, and I couldn't find anything, and now I know why. I still don't know what C3 means. I'm just going to pretend it's the, th the three C's you said today. That's my, that's it. Um, but the program is called LEAD, and it stands for lead, uh, Learn, Engage, Achieve, Disciple. We want our parents to learn how to be better parents, how to be leaders in their community, community um, learn about their childhood and their history and how that's impacting the way they're raising their kids today. We want them to set goals uh, no, we want them to engage in Fortress, but also in their schools, also in the community. We give them parent hours for things, even as uh, participating in the census two years ago during a voting year for voting. We want them to just be engaged um, everywhere. A is for achieve. We want them to set goals and then achieve them. And then once they've done that, once they've made it through those three steps, we want them to disciple other parents to do the same. That's our parent program, um, super robust. I could talk for 40 more minutes about the ways I want y'all to get involved and the things I have planned for C3 Church, but I'll give it back. No, you'll come back. Wait, stay here, stay here, stay here. Stay here, stay, hold on. Hey, so one of the things, uh, one of the things we saw when we walked through, and I said it every time I went through, because you guys also do food pantry. You also have, uh, you do di diapers. Like you have, there's, you guys don't not do things. Like there's a lot of things. And so we came across this opportunity and so I just want to put on the screen, um, we got a fridge that these are not cheap. And we were able to barter. And so we've now got a fridge. So we, so we are hoping you could double the amount of food you can store. And so, and then we've got a, a ton of boxes. And then 
Um, and then this week, we're going to sow in our first seed to Fortress of $1,000. And we're just going to start working towards being a partner in the city. Come on, isn't that awesome? And um, so we love you. We are committed to you and to what you're doing. And we're so thankful for what you've done so much. It's awesome. Awesome. Hey, so isn't that cool? I mean, that is awesome. That just kind of came about. Every time we went in, it was like, we should get them a fridge. And then this thing came across. And, uh, and so they are now going to double their output on uh, people being able to come and get food. Okay. The second thing, we're going to city partnerships. The second thing what we're wanting to do is uh, to see our teams and tables, teams and tables uh, triple over the next over the next 12 to 18 months. By next August, the goal is that we would see 20 to 25 dinner parties or tables launch around our city. Some of you guys are going to lead some of those. Some of you guys are going to host some of those. Some of you guys are going to bring people into your home that also then become someone who wants to lead a table and a dinner party. The other thing is, though, teams, right? If community does not just mean sitting at the table with one another, it also means setting the table with one another. So when it comes to teams, when it comes to setting out hospitality on a Sunday morning or working with kids on a Sunday morning or on a worship team or maybe there's teams we haven't even developed yet because we, we don't have the people or the thing. We want to see by the next August be able to look at it and go, oh my goodness, can you believe what has happened? Because we know that if we're at the table and we're serving on a team, we know that God is shaping us in community. Okay? The third thing is Second Avenue. This is something you will have never heard, but at 19 years old, you heard it in the video. I was youth pastoring young men and women who thought the only way they could reach people for God is if they got a pulpit and a microphone and began to preach. And I think there are some people who will do that, but I think a large majority of people will just be good at what God has called them to do, and they will inhabit their sphere and establish themselves in the place God has called them in such a way that it brings life and hope to their lives. And so we want to be people who equip that. So this building, when we talk about co-working, it's not because it's a good business idea, it's because we want it to be a place where people are coming together and giving it a shot. When we talk about pop-up shops in this space, we want people to have a table and a place that is affordable and they're able to show the things they've been working on because they can't, uh, they can't afford a brick and mortar. But if they could just come in here once a month and sell their stuff and get their feet under them and connect with other people, we're going to establish a mentorship program. We're going to establish, and these are primarily around business and around creativity and, and uh, entrepreneurship, nonprofit creation. And so we, we see that happening in this space. So early next year, the goal is to launch Second Avenue as a ministry of this house that will at some point most likely become its own nonprofit and run the side of this place that is the Monday through Saturday, the boutique shops you saw on the vision video, that's kind of where we're heading with this. It's called Second Avenue because there's more than just Main Street. There are more ways to reach people, love people, serve people, and point people to Jesus than preaching on a Sunday morning. And I love preaching. I'm just saying there's more ways. Dorothy Sayers used to say that if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're a carpenter, just be the best carpenter. Be what God has called you to be and do it well. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be shaped in community and fulfill your calling. And then the next thing is this, to make this home. We are, there's a three, basically a three and a half million dollar note on this building currently. We are already beginning to pay in small ways towards that. But we also have about a $350,000 budget to get us fully into this space. Just to put air conditioning in here is, is, is $75,000 to get AC and electrical and everything working. The goal is that we could raise 50 of that before the end of the year. Okay, and this is the part that I love talking about is telling you that we uh, we need to commit financially to something like this. But my goal is that in five years, when we refinance this under our name, because it is under the name of uh, the Life Church, Walt and Dave, but you guys have, have been a part of that. We'll share that over the next few weeks. But the goal is that we would be able in the next three to five years, refinance that, raise the full amount owed, not just continue our payment plan. 
but raise the full amount owed over the next five years and be able to purchase this and then replicate this. We don't believe this is just a model for us to do one time right here. We believe this is a model that we will do and others will do that will show and share a way in which to inhabit your neighborhood in a more effective way, in a more sustainable way, and in a way where Sunday still matters, but so does Monday, y'all. And so we really, really desire that this, we would really, truly make this home because as much as I love meeting y'all in the gallery, we got more things to do. Amen? And so setting up for co-working, setting that space up so you can have some AC, setting this space up like a gallery, all of those things require us to step more fully into it. So my goal and my hope, and in seven weeks we'll pray about that. So this is the timeline. All of this is on our website. You can find everything I just shared and more on our website. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you some take-home exercises so that you can pray into it, so you can begin to plan around it, so that you can begin to really fully experience what we're doing. We do not want you to do this lightly. We do not want you to step into this just like, oh, yeah, it's nice. But, no, we really want you to pray into it and make a decision like the disciples did when they were holding their nets and Jesus called them to a new way of life. So here's how we do this together. We pray into our vision and mission. I would love for you to take some time over the next uh, several weeks to truly together by yourself, however you want to do it, to pray into this vision and mission. Again, it's on our website. I know I'm taking a few extra minutes, but I think it's worth it. The second thing is to join a team or a table. Maybe you were doing one or the other. I would highly encourage you to make team and table something that you've just decided to be a part of. We are meant to be people who serve one another. And I would tell you that you will be shaped more You will be shaped more as you serve next to one another than just as you sit next to one another. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think this matters. I think what you're doing right now and what the Holy Spirit is speaking is incredible. But I also believe serving next to people who also had a rough week and also had a tough time and you praying for them or them praying for you or you having to be more patient or them having to be more forgiving or whatever the case might be, those things shape you as well. So I would highly encourage you to consider over the next several weeks to do both of those. And then on November 13th in seven weeks, we will come together and we will pray over how we financially support. For some, we will say over and above your normal giving. But for some of you, giving is not normal. And so we want to encourage you where 10% is kind of the benchmark, but it is not some command from God that if you don't do it, you are. No, it's, it's just to simply say, hey, how can you become? a generous person? How can you become someone who has put aside what your resources are and sow them into uh, what God is doing around you? So you might be at 0%. Maybe you go, all right, I'm going to go for 2%. You might be at 5%. You go, I can do 8 And you might be at 10 and go, okay, I'm going to really reconsider my priorities. 10 was never meant to be the limit. It was just meant to be a guide. Some of you might go, I'm going to go 12%. And then some of you may be able to say, you know what, before the end of the year, I can give five grand to this. Before the end of the year, I can give 500 of this. For some of you, I could go above and beyond to really get us and fast forward this motion into the new space. So that's what we're going to do over the next seven weeks. Sound good? Is everybody cool with what we just laid out? Are you excited a little bit? Okay. Hey, what did I ask earlier? Are you excited about Vision Sunday? Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, let's pray over this. I know I've taken a few extra minutes. Pastor Mayor may just jump straight up here. I'm not sure. Is that what you're going to do? Okay, let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this thing you've done in us, what you're doing in us. And it did not happen quickly, and it has not happened fast. Lord, it has been something that you have matured over time. And I am actually, even though at times I did not appreciate it, I am thankful. Because you have brought people into this space and place that are going to not only discover why we are here, but in discovering why we are here, will also discover why they are here. And I thank you that all over our all of our city, people are going to get a view and a vision of Jesus because people in this room, fix their eyes on it, have been shaped in community and are living out their calling and are doing it in such a way that we are so close to Jesus that we're getting deaths all over our lives. And we thank you for it. In 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, that was a lot to share in an hour and 30 as we went over. But how exciting and how it is so hard to articulate over how long have we been doing ministry? Everything that's been in our heart to be able, I got so weepy during worship because I thought this is the day where it all just gets to come out. Everything that's birthed in our hearts and our team and, and for everybody who's been along the ride, a lot of you guys have been along for the entire thing. Um, to see that come through is really, really special. Um, I was even thinking driving here, like how funny it was, like it didn't just pick up. We got closer and closer to where God was leading us. Like in every venue, it just was like closer and closer. I was like, you are so funny, God. Like you are so funny. He's just like inching his way. Like I got something for them. Anyways, this building is a miracle. We're so happy you're here. If you're new with us, we just, hi, welcome. We just gave you everything. <laughs> we just laid it all out for you. So, and if you're online with us, we're so excited that you stayed online to hear all of that. Um, but listen, we're not even going to go back into worship as much as I would love that. The team would love that. Um, I just want to tell you, dinner parties are happening. They are happening, and we have got to double them by when? I don't know. Put the timeline up. Um, and then uh, what else? We've got something really, really special happening. Uh, Stacy and Dave, they're not here today, but she is doing on Monday the 10th. She's doing a Create Good class here. And why we're announcing it is because it's everything that goes, she, it's, I think it's $40. Um, and it's just, you're creating something good. I think it's all online. Um, but $40 all goes to, our goal is to raise $1,000 for the kids' ministry. Um, and that was out of her heart to do that. I didn't say, hey, it'd be really cool you gave to our kids ministry. Um, she wants to do that and we need it. So if you want to do that, anyone is invited. Monday the 10th, $40. We also about pay attention to social media, y'all, because there's so much we did. We're not going to say right now, um, but it'll be on our social media and online. Uh, what else? All in team night is happening already again on the 5th this Wednesday. Show up. Doors are going to open at 6.30, not 7.00. But it does start at 7. Service will start at 7. Doors are going to open at 6.30. We're going to do a pre-party as opposed to a post-party. Because we did a post-party last time, and we all retired on Thursday. So, anyways, if you are a part of serving on a team here, or if you have finished Next Steps, this is for you. Okay? So, we're really excited about that. Uh, love you guys so much. Can I just pray? Like, let's just... Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for these people. I thank you, Lord, for the vision that you put in Brandon and I's heart. God, I thank you, Lord, that it wasn't just a thing that started for us, but, Lord, that you have, you have shown us over and over what we're to do. We're so thankful, God, that you're still living and breathing in us even today, even though it's hard. God, that you still give us things. Um, that we can hold on to. And so, God, I thank you that this building will be not just a dream out of our hearts, but, Father, it's to glorify your church. It's to glorify you, God. And, and I thank you for everything that's going to happen here. I thank you, God, for the dreams that are going to come alive. I thank you, Lord, for the things that are going to continue even out of this place. Lord, God, for the freedom that's going to come 
from just an opportunity to be able to come through these doors. Jesus, we're just so honored to be a part of growing your church and your body. We love you, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray blessings over Fortress. We pray blessings over all of the initiatives we have going out here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.